Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And we're back with another episode of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast AAC Edition. My name is Dan Morrison. That is Emily Van Buskirk. How are you doing today, Emily? I'm doing fantastic because this is about to be the best episode we've ever had. We're having the most cohesive coverage of this AAC game by getting you both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. I know I'm getting ahead of myself because that's the second half of the podcast, but I'm just so darn excited. I know. You are skipping the week 13 recap mentally. <laughs> I just, I think I, all that mattered to me was Tulane, Cynthia, and then the UCF USF game. And then everything else was just kind of like, Mah. Yeah, I mean, the reality of this week was uh, no one could secure a bowl game if they weren't already in one. And no one, I mean, Houston technically could have, through some tomfoolery, made it to the AAC championship game, but not realistically. You know, so it's kind of like ECU Temple, Memphis SMU. These weren't games that had like any real drastic outcome on the season. Yeah. So they're a little bit easy to overlook, I think, given, you know, it's a, it was rivalry, rivalry week in that time of year when you just sort of get excited for those games that are maybe more national. I and love rivalry week. So do I. I yeah. absolutely do too. It's the best. Um, it's the best. All right. So let's jump into these games. I will make sure that I let you guys know the honors for the final week of the regular season as Dan will tell you the scores and give you his thoughts. And we're going to do this relatively quickly because we want to get to our guests. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Who's coming yeah. on? I don't know. We'll see. So let's jump into it real mm-hmm. quick with. Tulane 27, Cincinnati 24. Tulane clinched the spot as the host of the AAC championship game with this win, with the Mm -hmm. loss, and then later on UCF's win, which we will talk about. Cincinnati was eliminated for contention in what became Luke Fickle's final game as the Cincinnati Bearcats head coach. He took the Wisconsin job. (laughs) He said, see ya. Goodbye. I feel like at the end we can talk about the coaching stuff a little bit more because yeah, we could do that after our yeah, after our guests leave. Well, we definitely have a little I don't want to get yeah, I don't want to get bogged down now when we're trying to do the recaps, but I did want to mention that. Uh, Mm -hmm. it was also nearly Fitz's last game, too, but it won't be now. We found out. I tried to tell people, I said, because I got a text yesterday after the press conference from a coach saying it is not a done deal. And the way he said it. I was like, oh, okay. Because everyone in the press conference, they asked Willie Fritz about four times about the Georgia Tech job, this and that. And I was like, just stop. Because it's such a detractor from everything that's going on with their win over Cincy, which was huge because they snapped the Bearcats, you know, home winning streak, which is a big deal. And they clinched the championship game. They get to host it. But let's not talk about 
Willie Fritz leaving because he didn't leave. So it's like, whatever. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Evan Prater got the start for Cincinnati because Ben Bryant was out for the season. Now I've been wanting to see all year mm-hmm. what Prater can do because he's a pretty highly touted recruit. Uh, and I've been disappointed with Ben Bryant. He, his play overall. Yeah. This Were you stoked? Did you like Prater? I I like some of the things he can do. He's definitely yeah. more athletic than Brian brings that kind of running threat that you see from Ritter, which yeah. does open up the Cincinnati offense, at least in its current iteration. We'll see what that looks like moving forward with a different coaching staff down the line. Yeah. Uh, so I thought he more fit the mold of what they want to do on offense from a quarterback standpoint. At the same time, I thought the moment was too big for him in that yeah. based on uh, some of his decision-making, some of his just – reactions to stress in the game i think fickle probably was making the right decision going with bryant this season just in terms of his ability to yeah uh, in the moment and stay calm uh but it was a really really good back and forth game between these two huh it really was it was i was on the edge of my seat probably the entire time obviously i was pulling for tulane it's no big secret that we wanted the championship game back or i wanted the championship game back there this um this way of forever avoiding skyline chili as cincinnati moves on. i would have i would have taken i would have definitely tried skyline chili but now i never have to go to cincinnati so it's fine um it was a, it was a really good game i liked prater i liked how he looked obviously his decision making was not the best because he's in a situation he hadn't been in, you know, it's, it's tough, but I thought like physically he looked good. I liked some of the throws he made. He's just, you know, he's young and it was, it was fresh for him, but um, you know who I was not overly impressed with Michael Pratt yet again, yet again, a screen pass on Twitter where I think he had a lineman in the ass on. Yeah. In the head. I'm pretty sure he hit the guy in the head. The back. The point is he hit a lineman. He, he hit his own lineman. Yeah. but You didn't care for that, huh? No, I didn't care for that at all. But I will give shout out to Ty J. Spears, junior running back for Tulane, who got Offensive Player of the Week honor. Spears is a beast. Not only did he, you know, was played a major role in the 32-game winning streak being snapped at Nippert, he rushed for 181 yards, almost 200 yards in the game had two touchdowns on 35 carries. This was his sixth consecutive 100-yard game, and he surpassed the 1,000-yard mark for the season. He actually hit 1,177. He was not stopped behind the line of scrimmage on any of his 35 attempts. As mm. I mean, that's You got to do insane. it once, right? That's insane. Like, on accident, the offensive line has to have missed an assignment once, you'd think. Um but yeah. Just crazy. So shout out, obviously, to Spear. Shout out the whole um, two-lane defense as well. I mean, they they did what needed to be done, and it was an exciting game. And now we get to see to see the big rematch. So yeah, that's that. Yeah. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about that rematch. Don't need yes. to dive too deeply into it now. No. Uh, moving on to a game that it was easy to overlook coming into the week, but it was incredibly entertaining if you sat down and watched it. ECU 49, Temple 46. Uh, oh, boy. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, ECU, their trajectory is just like... It's weird, right? It's very it's a, weird. It's a consistency thing at this point for ECU. They're, they've been, I'll say this, they've been consistently bad towards the end, so I don't understand on that. Defense, but... at the, on defense, <laughs> they were really bad in the scene. Yeah. I mean, 
EJ Warner had what might have been the best day of his entire career. He's a freshman. He threw for well over 500 yards and five touchdowns. Well, uh, okay, well over. He, 45 of 63 passes for a school record 527 yards. That's well. That's well. And five touchdowns, he, earning him honor roll uh, player of the week honors. Wild so. that that's honor roll. <laughs> I mean, well, if you look at I, – I, you have to give it to Spears, the offensive player of the week, because that no, was the no, game. I, 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 I know it, it, he lost in a game that not many people were. AJ Warner, though, the dude is the truth, and he's going to be the future there. And you got to be happy, you know, if you're super, Temple fan. Yeah, yeah. So I think I'd be super excited about next season and this, mm-hmm. especially the season after, if I was a Temple fan. Because yeah. you, again, you, we've said this all year. There's still clear roster issues in terms of just how young it is. How. Yeah how much more development that roster needs and mm-hmm. that will come in time, but I'd be incredibly excited about where they're at right now versus where they were week one. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think that that was the thing we want to see from Temple would have been nice to go to a bowl game. Sure. But I don't think anyone realistically expected that. No, but this you, is what we said would happen. You know, we said we yeah. would see a better, more put together team. I didn't think it'd be with EJ Warner leading it. Okay, Mm -hmm. I will be the first to admit that, but this is where we're at. And I think it's a good place for the Owls to be in. So it's exciting to look ahead to next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as for ECU, the offense Mm -hmm. did what it had to do in this game. Uh, Keaton Mitchell is that dude. (laughs) I've been saying that. Uh, Yeah, I know. I know. I know. But the defense just disappeared the past few weeks, basically mm -hmm. ever since the Cincinnati game. It's completely and even in the Cincinnati game they got torched for a few big plays but the defense has just abandoned them and this is the next step I think for Mike Houston when we look towards next season is can we know what your high-end level was this year Mm -hmm. it was really good at at its best this was a team that could beat and compete with top 25 teams like UCF and NC State right at its worst it's a team that kind of looks let's temple score yeah. 46 points that on them. Looks, it looks like the old ECU sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's not a compliment. I'm talking about like the I'm talking about like the Scotty Montgomery ECU that had issues on defense, let's put it politely. Right. You know what I mean? And you gotta be a little bit more consistent than that. And that's putting it all together. It'll be interesting because they're gonna have a new quarterback next season. I know it, it will be interesting to see. Um, Keith Mitchell will be back. He matched his career high 222 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns um, to go with the reception touchdown that he had in the win against Temple. Registered his sixth consecutive 100 yard game to give him honor roll honors for the final week of the season. And then we have a special teams player of the week honor going to junior wide receiver at East Carolina. I'm not even going to attempt to say his first name, JSI Hatfield. C. I don't know. Hatfield uh, was a huge difference maker in the win at Temple. He finished with a career high 174 all purpose yards, including that glorious 97 yard kickoff return for a touchdown. He had 140 yards on two kickoff returns and two catches for 34 yards against the Owls. So shout out both of those ECU players. Moving on. Yep, moving on. Uh, Memphis 31, SMU 34. Uh, I thought there was a chance that if Memphis lost this game that Silverfield would be done, they lost it. And Memphis announced that they're going to bring him back for next season. 
I think he comes into next season with the hottest of hot seats under his uh, backside. Mm-hmm. But he will be around next season. Uh, he does need to show improvement, though. Being average when you had got used to top end isn't good enough. You know, and that's ultimately what Memphis was the season for a number of reasons was average. And SMU, frankly, for that matter, was pretty average too at times. <laughs> um, yeah, talk about just like a battle of like two average teams. But teams had the chance to be very fun to watch any given week, in all fairness to them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What do we got? Well, we do have Defensive Player of the Week go honors going to SMU senior safety Brandon Crossley. He was uh, key in the defensive play that preserved the 34-31 win against Memphis. As he intercepted poor Seth Hennigan in the end zone with two seconds left in the game. I remember texting you about this. It was yeah. wildly rude of him to do so, but that interception capped a day where he had five tackles, two pass breakups, and helped the Mustangs improve to seven and five entering bowl season. Yeah, so. both of, yeah, both of these teams are going to be in a bowl. Both of them are pretty explosive in the passing game on offense and mm-hmm. struggle at times to run the ball. <laughs> And they struggle at times to play defense. Yes, so we'll see what I would happens. say most we'll of the time. And we can't talk about an SMU game without Rashi Rice, senior yeah. wide receiver, 13 receptions for 147 yards and a touchdown, earning him honor roll honors in the final week of the AAC yeah. season. So, well, And Tanner Mordecai got banged up in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, he's already declared for the NFL draft. I'll be very interested to see if he actually plays in their bowl. Probably not, but I'm excited to see Rashi Rice in the Senior Bowl as he accepted his invitation recently as well. So, should be fun. Uh, Moving on, UCF 46, USF 39. (laughs) Holy! You were at this game. I was at this game. It was. Remember what I said? If they lose, you're the problem. It's you. No, because I've been to games where they've won, so it would have been my girlfriend. Not this year. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. Okay. I'm one and one this year for what. Here's for. some Taylor Swift for a uh, Kevin shout out. It's Dan. Hi. He's the problem. It's Dan. Okay. Yeah, at, one, at one point, UCF led this game 28 nothing, and <laughs> had they lost this game, I was thinking about it in the stands while this was happening. It mm. would have been the worst loss in program history. And yeah. It's particularly close. Yeah. Well, it's your and it's your it's the war on it's the war on I four. It's your rival. It's the last time you're playing them for the foreseeable future. It would have cost UCF a chance at the AAC championship game. Uh, the way they blew the lead, all of that, it just all would have culminated in just like, yeah. Oh, and you know, USF, of shit. USF's record at the time with a fired head coach, you know, would have yeah. been awful. Um, we're really? going to get into the stuff about John Rice Bumley, but I have to say, first of all, he has honorable mentions. The senior quarterback rushed for 133 yards and two touchdowns <laughs> and completed nine of nine passes for 73 yards and a touchdown before leaving the game. Yeah. Uh, I will say this, Gus Malzahn in the press conference Monday said, John Rice Bumley is, they don't know, I mean, he's better every day, but that apparently he's been playing with this injury, this hamstring injury, for weeks. Mm-hmm. very interesting yeah. so which is why it's interesting when they took him out against navy they said it was his shoulder not his hamstring but because i think they were- you never know with these guys I- but he has not been healthy no. although i'll tell you this he looked healthy in the game against tulane so th- i was talking with the tulane coach and you know i was like how are you guys going to stop bryce Plumley if he plays and because that's what they have to they have to they have to 
And they're like, well, he didn't look injured in that game. And he definitely didn't. So I don't know. Well, and here's the thing. I'm going to just, the game completely shifted when Plumlee left it for Mm -hmm. a number of different reasons that I'll get into in a second. But when Plumlee was in this game, Gus did such a better job than he did against Navy, calling it to Plumlee's strengths, you know, design quarterback runs, letting him scramble a little bit more so that when he was throwing, they became easier throws. And he didn't do that against Navy. I mentioned that in the podcast, in my opinion. So that was good. Plumlee left the game towards the start of the second half. Yeah. Mikey came in and on that drive, they ended up settling for a field goal. And on the very next drive, you know, USF scored a touchdown then on their ensuing drive. Then on that drive after that, Mikey Keen messed up a mesh point and mm. there was a fumble and that completely shifted the momentum in the stadium in a way that was very, very tangible. It is then USF scored quickly. And then there was another fumble. This is the problem that UCF has run into at times is the fumbles. They're right. a great running team, but every now and again, they get butterfingers this year. Happened against Cincinnati. They had two red zone fumbles that kept that from being a blowout, frankly. Right. Uh, it's happened a few against, uh, who I'm blanking now. It's happened a few different times this season where it's completely cost them. Either Louisville, probably. Louisville, it definitely happened again. Uh, <laughs> Louisville was rough. Um, but yeah, turnovers, <laughs> turnovers have been an issue, though. And yes. it gave you turnovers a and penalties, man. I mean, that's ton. Yeah, and penalties haven't been great, but you know, it is what it is at this point. You're not going to change those things at this point in the season. You just have well, to you better them. hope that they don't affect well, the game this week. They didn't, they didn't turn and, over at all against Tulane last time. And I know, we'll it was talk weird. more about that game. I know, but that's what I'm, we'll talk more about. Hopefully that doesn't strike. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what happened. Momentum shift. Obviously, at the end, UCF was down by a point. Had a mm-hmm. good Javon Baker catch that got reviewed and held up uh, as a catch. Then they're in field goal range with like a minute left in USF. I mean, this is well within Colton Boomer's range, and USF has the time. They don't stop it with the timeout after they had mm-hmm. stuff before. They let the clock run to about 20 seconds. So UCF doesn't mind throwing up a pass. Hail Mary, basically, yeah. And close your eyes and kind of sling it. Mm-hmm. Uh, pass. And Alec Holler makes maybe the catch of program history. I'm yeah. surprised you didn't end with this game, but. Um, because I always go by what time they kicked off. I know, but. Anyways, we'll, we'll talk about the next game in a second. Anyways, I just, I'm very concerned that if Mikey King goes against Tulane, you lose that quarterback run and he yeah. will control momentum the same way. I just. I, I think that John Rice probably will go in we'll the Tulane game from what I'm hearing, but I don't, he obviously is not going to be a hundred percent. So he may be a little more limited in the run, but that he's still, he's still a gamer and he's still going to do it. So if I'm Tulane, I'm still counting on that, you know, to be an issue. I wouldn't yeah. be counting yeah. it out. So. Uh, yeah. I mean, and also mm-hmm. shout out to USF for not quitting in this game because it's yeah. very, very easy to, yeah. uh, I also I met Dwayne Boyles' dad in the stands at this game. Who's a very mm. nice guy, as it turns out. That's nice. Um, it's also, by the way, become a portal exodus for USF today. <laughs> yeah. The day that we're talking, uh, among others, Jimmy Horn and Antonio Greer announced they're headed for the portal. Mm. Uh, it's going to be a lot of the team that goes into the portal. My guess yeah. is whatever coach does come in, and there's been rumors that USF will announce any moment now. I haven't seen anything because it's been weirdly cryptic from them. Yeah. Where their fans are freaking out a little bit over it. Yes. 
Um, as as per usual with USF fans. Exactly. It's so I don't know what's going to go on there, but I'm assuming the new coach brings in a lot of transfers to replace all the transfers being lost. Yes. Well, so, that's the great thing about the transfer portal is it works both ways. So you can utilize the hell out yeah, of it and that'll very, be it. Yeah. Very few teams have an exception to that, like Navy, for instance, where they can lose, but they really can't add. Right. Yeah. Well, shout out UCF getting their spot in the AAC championship game next weekend at Tulane. Very excited to be out there to cover that for y'all. But we got one more game left before our guest join our first guest joins us. So mm-hmm. I think you did save a good one for last. This is wild. Tulsa 37, Houston 30. <laughs> in what world? Why? So why? Why? The tale of two halves, too, because the first half was just like Really, so first off, Houston came out with a really good script and scored easy to start the game. Mm-hmm. And then you could feel the wheels kind of slow down in the second quarter and they got mm-hmm. bogged down a little bit more. And then Tulsa made adjustments at halftime and Houston completely forgot how to score points mm. in the second mm-hmm. half of this game. And Tulsa, I don't know that they did anything special other than just letting Houston's defense be meh. Yeah, meh for much of the season compared to at least expectations. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, Houston was a team that people, including myself, but not just myself, like a lot of people, most people thought would be at least a 10-win team and probably hosting the AAC championship game this year. Right. People said, hey, that's a really easy schedule for a team that just was in the AAC championship last year and has tons of returning talent. That's a team that should be in the New Year six. Yeah. And they're seven and five. It's wild. And you know what's crazy about this game? Braylon Braxton out quarterbacked Clayton Toon. Oh, yeah. I, I was going to bring that up. I, Davis like, hit the portal for Tulsa. Uh, I think he did it partially because Felt Montgomery got fired. We'll talk again more about all that stuff later. Yes. Uh, but also, I think he kind of looked at Braxton and was like, yeah, he might, it might be yeah. his job. Yeah. He's, he's, I was not sold when I first saw him or even a few, but this game, I was like, okay. And maybe that's Houston's defense just being trash, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Oh boy. Well, that was what it was. <laughs> yeah. That's week 13. That's week 13 in the AAC. Now we get to look ahead. We are joining. All right. So we are done with regular season games. That was the last recap. Well, I guess not the very last because we still have the championship game, but the last regular season recap we have to do. Thank God. I'm tired of losing to Dan in my picks. I am sick of it. I'm over it. I am ready to move forward. Fresh slate for this championship game. And we are joined now. I'm so excited for this one, you guys, and you'll see why in a minute, but Alec Holler, redshirt senior tight end from UCF is with us on the SB Nation podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Of course. Now your name has been just everywhere this last week, um, yeah. which is funny because I brought your name up to Gus Malzahn at the Tulane game, mm-hmm. primarily because I was talking about fullbacks, right? And people don't like to believe that fullbacks are still real, but they are real. And Coach Malzahn is someone who very much believes in it, utilizing that aspect of the game. And then all of a sudden, after this Tulane game, we're talking about you, you have this insane catch in the USF game or USF game, what has this last week? I got to know what it's been like. I mean, that, that thing blew up all over Twitter and the internet. What has this been like since, since you made that immaculate catch? Yeah. I mean, it's been really special having that 
that catch with what was on the line in terms of going to American Comp and American Complex Championship. It's been extremely special. It's been a blessing. And when I think about the catch, I really think about like the journey that led up to that. And that's what, in my opinion, makes it even better because like the catch was awesome, but you only can experience that for what, like 10, 10 seconds, that whole play. <laughs> so the whole journey was what it's been five years now. So it's, it's definitely been a while. That's true. You talk about the journey and and I got ahead of myself because I was so excited because <laughs> no, obviously, like that, that, that image of you stretched out is burned in your brain. And I loved your tweet after where you're like, oh, is this the right time to tell people I'm left-handed? Are you really left-handed? Yeah. So <laughs> I, I write with, I write with my right hand, Okay. Um, but like everything athletically, like play basketball shot with my left hand, kick with my left foot, whatever. Like I'm left-handed athletically. That's so. crazy. That's yeah. wild. How does well, that thought- like a nun? teaches you how to write right hand because the left is the devil's hand well see, see at my elementary school i think that maybe i just succumbed to peer pressure because i looked at everyone else and i saw everyone else drawn the red with their right hand i was like okay i guess i got to do it this way and that's yeah. why my handwriting has suffered ever since but when you shoot basketball predominant so it's your left hand shooting yeah, oh that's wild that's crazy well I thought that was a funny response when you said that very clever but you're right this has been about the journey so your time at ucf has been great i'm assuming so why don't you kind of walk us through how you ended up with the knights and what the journey has been like you know leading up to this point yeah so i originally came to ucf that freshman year Mm -hmm. um when we went to the fiesta bowl we went undefeated so in high school my senior year i um in central florida i was leading um everyone in receiving yards like touchdowns stuff like that but playing at a school like trinity prep that doesn't really get like a lot of respect or notice so in terms of like the recruiting trail, I wasn't really looked at like too often. And my connection to UCF was actually Coach Kruzak, who coaches at Trinity Prep. He previously coached at um, at UCF, was the head coach when Dante Culpepper was there. He wow. was at OC for the Cardinals, different stuff like that. So he came down to Trinity, and that was a blessing to have him. And his connection was to Sean Becton, who played receiver at UCF, is like a like a Hall of Famer at UCF, and. That's kind of how I got the in in terms of walking on. And like ever since then, I mean, it's like putting your head down and grinding. And like that first year, it's tough. You come in being at Trinity Prep, being the guy, you're getting all these receiving yards. And then you go to UCF and you realize you're like a like a small fish in the ocean. <laughs> it's another <you> know? guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you, you put your head down, you start grinding, you go against guys that at UCF at the time, that was an undefeated team that I came into. They were like, top 10 in the country they finished mm-hmm. out when they won the peach bowl won the natty and then uh we move <laughs> on and then we end up keep winning keep winning have game day have uh the fiesta bowl kz gets hurt experiencing all of that like going against all those guys in practice was was awesome just in terms of honing my blocking honing my skill because coming out of high school i was really just a receiver i didn't really mm-hmm. pride myself in blocking but coach coop who was my tight end coach at the time really like instilled that tight ends, they tight ends, fullbacks, like you need to earn all your catches. Like blocking is the most important role. You're an extension of the O-line. Like you got to get your job done. So that was an, that was a um, great season as a scout guy, but I was, I was looking to do more. I wanted to be a bigger part of the team and um, have a bigger role. And my sophomore year, I started working my way up and halfway through the season, I tore my ACL, MCL meniscus, which was awful. You finally, or to make gains in terms of like moving yourself up the depth chart. And then something like that happens. And in terms of like my relationship with God, it's like, 
God, like, why'd you do this to me? Like, mm-hmm. what did, what did I do to deserve this? And then, but now when I look back at it, I'm like, I think that's the greatest thing that God's ever done for me. was blessing me with that, being able to get perspective on how much I truly love the game, how much it means to me, how much a relationship with him means. Mm-hmm. So then you go through that, go through COVID. Yeah. And I, since COVID ended up, since I had my ACL surgery, I was able to, since like it was a medical like deal, I was able to go to UCF every day during COVID, like during the lockdown, I was there with uh, four other guys, Mackenzie Milton, who had the traumatic knee injury, like yeah. super influential at the time. Uh, Brandon Moore, who's at Nebraska right now. Uh, Jordan Davis is another tight end, Jared Baker. So we really became a family, worked really hard throughout process. And the next year I had the opportunity to be kind of work my way up from really eighth string to second string behind my buddy, Jake Hescock. And then right at the end of that year, I was, I'm still walk on at this point. And, right. um, the whole coaching staff leaves hype. Oh, yeah. They all go to Tennessee. So as a walk on, like that's, that's scary. Cause it's like, I've worked my way up to this point and now a whole new group of group of coaches are coming. And a lot of coaches will look at someone based on, are you a scholarship? Or are you a walk? Right. Well, do you know that Gus Malzahn actually in the press conference yesterday said that he didn't know that you were a walk on when he came there and met you and saw how you played. Yeah. So like I, he, he had told me that before, but that's something where like, I really look at this coaching staff and so thankful that you have a coaching staff that looks at players for their skill level, what they can do for the team rather than do we have a scholarship? Like our university, are we invested in you? You know what I mean? So they're more about putting the best people on the field. So I go out there, I coach uh, Malzahn. I earned his trust. I earned that starting role coach Blackman, who's my tight ends coach is, um, he's done a lot for me he's a great mentor and last year was a was my first kind of experience kind of being on the big stage in terms of being a contributor going on to the Gasparilla Bowl playing the Gators was Mm -hmm. awesome and now this year kind of taking my spot as the leader of the group kind of and trying to lead these other guys and like reaping kind of that like all that work that you've put in throughout all these years because I think it was a Missouri coach like recently had an interview and he's talking about the transfer portal yeah about like it, like our whole society is like instant gratification now, like social media likes, like how many likes can I get? How many retweets can I get? And I think that it's kind of getting lost on and like the whole journey and the work that really goes into it. And like, I think that's like when I was talking about in terms of the catch, like, like in terms of like, you look at the journey and the journey's like going up, going up. Mm-hmm. And like I kind of, you make that catch. It's awesome. You're celebrating with your team. You won, you're going to the championship. Right. Ride back. And I'm just thinking about, wow, like all those times, like I'm in the weight room, I'm, I'm like pushing myself, my teammates and I are having conversations about like, guys, like, like, let's like, we can do this, let's get through it. And then you get to that moment. And it's like, it's really about the journey, you know what I mean? And seeing how God's plan has worked out in your life. Yeah, that's incredible. (laughs) Sorry, that was kind of that was kind of explanation. So. It's very inspirational. It makes me want to like look back at my life. Like, okay, what am I? What am I not focusing on the right things here? So I'm gonna take a minute and let Dan ask the next question. <laughs> yeah, I was actually gonna go back to that transition from Heifel to Malzahn as your head coach. No, they're both offensive guys. They're both ostensibly spread guys, but I think it's a pretty different offense. And I think from ten thousand feet, obviously, I'm not a coach. I'm not your <laughs> strategist guy, but I think your skill set fits better into what Malzahn wants to do as an offensive system. How was that transition for you? And I guess, where do you feel things changed where you got more playing time? 
Yeah. So in terms of the transition, like I think that in terms of my value as a player, my my football IQ, I think, is like my best thing. Like, yeah, I, I block well. I like t- do good. Like I have good angles. I can catch mm-hmm. the ball well. But in terms of football IQ and being able to handle the transition of like a coaching staff switch, like their offenses are like they're similar but different, like running inside zones. Like everyone kind of runs the same stuff, but it's more just what's the foundation like hypels. Like we're going fast. We're we're putting up like a bunch of different points. Mouths on, like kind of scheming them up. Like mm-hmm. let, like we're gonna run it down your throat. We're gonna do all these different things. And in terms of my fit, like my like my body type and the way that I play caters more to what Coach Malzahn does in terms of being like a guy that's I can play. I can go out and split out a wide receiver if I need to be hand down. I can be hand down. I'm I thrive out of like that kind of fullback three back spot where I can mm-hmm. do a lot of things for a team. So I think that that's kind of like where I've started to earn that's like earn that spot. Gus Malzahn actually said also in the press conference yesterday about you that you're one of the smartest guys on the field. And I was going to ask you if that's something that, I mean, most fullbacks are to be fair. And most guys in your position, cause you have to know everything that's going on as opposed to just guys that have to know their routes and their specific assignments, you kind of have to know everything. And so I was going to say, is that something you pride yourself in? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely pride myself on um, trying to be a leader out there, trying to help like coach, like coach time at times during games has come over to me like, Hey, Alec, like, do you think that this play is there? Are they, wow. in a, are they in a certain technique? Are they playing a certain way? Like, what do you, like, what are you seeing out there type of situation? So I pride myself in um, like in that respect and trying to like really have a full understanding of what's going on. And when we come in the next week and we have new plays, like having it, having it memorized before we even go into practice, like, we got the plays down. I'm going to have them right. And I'm, I'm going to be flawless in practice. So it's kind of striving for that perfection. It's perfection at, at the end of the day, isn't attainable, but you want to be as close as you can be. Dropping just like wisdom pearls <laughs> on this podcast. I love it. Um, I have to ask, you're talking about the two different coaches. I'm glad Dan brought this up because I love coach Malzahn. I've known him for a while. I didn't know a very well, um, but obviously I've seen him coach. Who is the better uh, dancer? Oh, I mean, I haven't, I haven't really seen any, either of them dance. I saw that <laughs> well, one, of, locker room, like, like, one of the first, well, like Malzahn's got the boom like that after, <laughs> after a win, I come into the locker room and I'm just standing there like while he's like getting up on the deal to like, Right. I'm like, give me a boom, give me a boom. (laughs) Like I'm like freaking out for it. But in terms of dancing, I mean, have you not seen that that viral video of Coach Malzahn like with the like piano? Like it looks like it's like the 80s or something. So I guess I'd have to give it to Coach Malzahn because that video is pretty classic. But the one thing you have to be careful going with Coach Malzahn though is because (laughs) last year he jumped up on the sideline and broke his leg when he came down. (laughs) That was insane because that that was against that was against Tulane last year. Yeah. When, mm-hmm. So he, I guess we got a huge stop and uh, Quadric Bullard, like a phenomenal player, comes off the sideline. He's hyped. And I guess Malzon was looking and Quad tripped and just like smoked his leg. Mm. And he got up, like he got up and was like ho- hobbling around and stuff. <laughs> but you couldn't, you couldn't see how bad it actually was. And then we no. hear the next day, he, he likes coming in on crutches and he's like, yeah, I broke my leg. <laughs> like, wow. 
like, coaches the rest of the game. Coach, like, coach got that dog in him, you know what I mean? He does have the dog in him, I will say. I mean, but he's been around longer, to be fair. He's been doing this a while, and um, he's coached at some pretty crazy levels. Although, the one thing I love about Coach Malzahn is he comes from high school, like small ball, you know, so he's done. We had a long conversation where he told me one time, like, he drove the bus at a small ball school he was coaching at, which is, like, terrifying. But he said he's done all those things. So I think it gives him an appreciation for the game that some coaches don't have, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's move on to yeah. Tulane. We have to talk about it. Perfect, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys went in there and won by running the ball pretty effectively against the last time. Is yes. that something you have to expect adjustments anytime you play a team twice? How do you deal with those adjustments? Do you still try to come in with the same strategy or are you going to? try to change up just enough while staying yourself yeah i mean at the end of the day you you got to be who you are you know what i mean and and like we know their personnel we've played against them we know what it's like to like hit those guys like there's no real mystery there's going to be there's going to be some adjustments we've made some adjustments as well and i think that we're going to be ready um they have some extremely talented players like their linebackers are very good like number two number one Nick I'm, Anderson. I, yeah, I love. I'm, I'm excited to play against them again because that was uh, definitely like pushing me and testing my my skill and like what I am truly as a player. Because when you're pushing yourself and to your limit, you know really what you are. So, I'm, which I'm one? Which one was chippier? The Tulane game prior when you guys were at Tulane two weeks ago, or the USF game this last week because it's rivalry. Mm-hmm. Which one was a chippier game? Hmm. I mean, there was there was Tulane looked chippy. Like y'all, oh, yeah. y'all look like Tulane <laughs> was definitely a little chippy. Like it was, yeah. really, that was a really physical game. That was probably yeah. one of the most physical games of the season. Um, USF, there's probably more like verbal trash talk mm-hmm. between guys, but probably chippier. I'd probably say Tulane. Tulane. And do you think that the fans? I mean, they were such a huge deal. I think deal breaker in the Tulane game, just having so many UCF fans there was like outnumbered Tulane. Do you think that they'll travel again, obviously for this game? And do you think that's going to be another difference maker? Yeah. I mean, I, night nation always travels strong and it's so awesome to have a fan base like that, that loves and appreciates like what you do and the work that you put in. And I mean, I I'm hoping that night nation comes out strong again. I, I think that they will. I don't really know how like the conference championship ticket allotment really works. Like, <laughs> if it's equal in terms of opportunity for both teams or if like two lanes since they're home, they get to like have first dibs out or whatever. But I think that our fans should be pretty strong. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Tulane gets first dibs on most. What? I feel like they would make it even. Well, but the Ticketmaster exists and you can just buy them. Market. <laughs> yeah, true, true. You know, I could see, I could see like UCF fans just like yeah. buying up a bunch of them, like immediately just to like I'm take away up. from Tulane. Yeah. Well, it happens. Strategy. Like That's like a Taylor Swift concert. Yeah. <laughs> do you think tickets will sell out faster for this game than the Taylor Swift concert? I, I do not. I'll answer. For I mean, we can hope. <laughs> See, I don't really, I don't really know. I've been seeing stuff like about the Taylor Swift. I don't mm-hmm. even know like the whole situation on that, but like it's... I'm seeing signs in the crowd talking about, oh, like please for Christmas, give me Taylor Swift tickets. <laughs> uh, they're pretty like highly contested. Apparently. Think- yeah, I was I was at the USF UCF game last week. Yeah, and at one point, and I'm assuming you wouldn't have noticed this because it's when you guys are all in a huddle or something like this. But like, 
during the commercial break, they gave away Taylor Swift tickets to what? Stuff. Like just she That's was crying funny. on the dump, jumbotron, like couldn't control herself, mm-hmm. crying. So yeah, it's well. I read that they were going to give away a bunch of prizes to students to get them to come out. So did that work? USF students were there pretty. Okay. Good. Yeah, the USF students showed up pretty good. Okay, that's good. Hopefully, they were nice. That's my my like. You know, I get that. <laughs> I'm not a prude. Not I understand good. that people are mean in games. Like I witnessed it pretty heavy last year when I was at App State, which I've got to tell you, are the worst fans I've ever encountered in my life. Yeah. Um, it was awful. But I mean, I just hope they're like respectful. Like they're not telling you like you know things about your mom or stuff like that. You know. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get any mom. I didn't okay, get good. Mom that's, that's good. That makes me feel good about it. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit past this game. I know you don't want to look beyond the championship, but your future in football. Would you like to continue? Is your goal to try and play in the NFL? Like, what is the hold beyond um, college for you? Yeah, I mean, ever since you're a little kid, you always have that dream of going on playing in the NFL and. Uh, truly testing your talent against the guys, the top, that top 1%. So at this point, I'm kind of in a situation where I'm, I'm leaning on God. I'm praying about it is do I come back for another year? Does that help me in terms of my, uh, in terms of my like draft stock, is that going to help me out since we're going into the big 12 or like at this moment, I'm having a really good season risking injury to come back. Like the, does that play into it? Putting on more weight because um, I'm about like two two thirty, but in terms of being bigger in, in the NFL, you need to have more weight. So coming back, putting on more weight, is that does that help you out as well? So it's kind of like in that situation. My goal is to is to go into the NFL and play mm-hmm. and show show what I'm about, but it's kind of getting there, the process to get there, you know. Who are you leaning on to to kind of because I didn't realize you had another year? Or who are you kind of like are you talking to Coach Malzahn about that? Is who do you lean on to kind of um gain, you know, help in that regard to make that decision. Yeah. So um, in terms of just like leaning on God kind of in prayer, Mm -hmm. like where's, where's he leading me? What signs is he giving me in terms of staying or going? Um, My fiance, I have a lot of conversations with her about kind of our future because at the end of the day in February, we're going to be one. So yeah, that's super impactful in terms of our decision and also my family. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm, it's it's really God family football, you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> so that's those are kind of like the three thing, like the three main things. And I've had some conversations with Coach Blackman, like some Coach Hand, Coach Lindsay, Coach Malzahn, mm-hmm. in terms of staying. But a, a decision hasn't been made yet. But I'm okay. in the process of making it. Awesome. Going, I guess, briefly indulge me for this. Yeah, I'm going to give you a ranking for three modern UCF catches in history, which was best to worst. <laughs> and okay. we're going to go three that you're a Central Florida guy, so you should remember all of them. Oh, boy. Dan's well, the first, a... the first, we're going to do this. It's okay. I, already know the, I already know the three that you're about to say. Oh, no. <laughs> it's J.J. Warden and Brashad Perriman in 2014. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those are the three. Okay. Those are the three. Yeah, so, okay. So I'd probably put... Um, I mean, all of those were insane. Like the the gravity of those situations, the Prashad Perriman one, that was before the American Conference had a game. So that was the American Conference Championship game-winning touchdown. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd probably put that one three. And right okay. now, right now. It was, uh, it was the easiest catch. What'd you say? It was the easiest catch? Yeah. yeah. He got the impact, though, was, was huge, I'd say. Okay. And then in terms of uh, between me and J.J. Wharton, I think that J.J. Wharton's catch was phenomenal. I mean, it looked like he was a MLB outfielder outstretched. 
going to grab it. And then like mine had a level of difficulty as well. And then throwing, right. up, throwing up the right hand and grabbing it. So I'm kind of, I don't know, like in between us two, it was pretty solid. I'd like to like hear other people's opinions, but. Yeah, we should, we need to crowdsource that. I feel like. In my, in my opinion, you had to deal with the sideline more than Warden did too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There you go. Yeah, factor that in there too. But. And that's wild to me. Like in that moment that you're seeing this unfold, like, do you just like leave your body and that, and that's all just like um, training that takes over or is there a part of you that's there and, and like seeing the ball go into your hand? Like, what is that like? Yeah. So we make you, you see the signal on the sideline, you see the mm-hmm. play being called and I'm and in my mind, I'm like, wow, like I'm about to score the game winning touchdown again no. for the game. I motioned out, like kind of showed a block, went out and I had space and uh, Mikey put it where only I could catch it. And I was yeah. sprinting time but I saw that it started tailing towards the sideline a little bit so like instinct I was like okay let me turn around I'm gonna slow my momentum so I don't go out of bounds throw up my right hand and it just like stuck in between my pointer and my index and I I knew for sure that I like secured it I roll like I rolled over and I like was kind of sitting up like looking straight into a camera I was like wow I just snagged that and I look at the ref and the ref and I kind of lock eyes for a second we're like (laughs) And I throw my hand up and then he started putting his hands up. And then after that, like I if I knew I was in for sure, I probably would have celebrated a little bit harder. Yeah. Um, my teammates were like, Yeah, you were in, you were in. Yeah. I look at Jumbotron, I see my foot tap. I was like, boom, let's go. Game one. But insane. yeah, I think the instinct kind of hits in all that, all that training. And in yeah. the backyard, throwing up one-handed catches for fun. <laughs> It was literally the most beautiful thing to watch. So I just, I can't imagine what it's like to live that, you know, because it goes, it goes a very different direction if you don't catch it. And it's just another, yeah, just another three like, flies up situation, but it's, it, that's not what it was. So. Yeah. They better hope you guys don't play that game on Saturday is all I'm saying. No more wheel routes against Tulane. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we will see. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I look, I'll be there Saturday with my photographer. So you can expect some more photos, but just, Hey, don't chest bump Bowser so hard next time. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, that was was a bad deal. Zay, we we were leaning on Zay that last drive. He was, (laughs) he was all tired. I mean, I was, I was tired from blocking, but he got in the end zone. I was so hyped. I I was like, let's go Bowser. Jump, jump. And I jump up and just, I just, yep. I smoked him. I, you body slammed him. <laughs> I don't know. There's the scene in Kicking and Screaming where, uh, yeah, if you guys have seen it, where Will Ferrell kind of like chest bumps somebody and then he turns around and chest bumps and he gets knocked down. Yeah. And that's kind of like what I was thinking about. It was, it was right in front of me and I literally just died. I was like, because Bowser is a big. Oh, he's a big dude. He's, yeah, a, he's big a big dude. But I was like, that's my fullback yeah. right there. Just, just <laughs> body checking this running back like after he scored. It was great. It was just chef's kiss. I think I tweeted out. I was like, yeah, that's a fullback celebration for sure. So, yeah, so I'm going to next time when, when Zay scores inevitably this week, I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him a hug instead of a chest. Bump. A hug. Oh, there we go. I will. That will be great. Well, we'll, we'll We'll look out for that. Yeah. Cause it will be, it will be safer and more special. So. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck this weekend. We'll, be, we'll definitely shout out social so people can find you, but uh, we'll be tuned in and we can't wait to see what happens. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was really fun. Of course. Yeah. Have a good one. All right, Dan, are you going to stop it? I am. 
All right, guys. So now that we've heard from a UCF player, all right, UCF offensive player who we just had on the podcast right before, um, he made a bit of a big catch. Alec Holler, you may have heard of him. It's fine. Uh, We're going to get the Tulane side of things now because that's fair is fair. We got to have somebody from each team talk about, you know, the season and, and this upcoming championship game. So we are joined now on the Underdog Dynasty podcast by Larry Brooks, senior safety from Tulane. Welcome to the podcast, Larry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) We're excited to have you here. We had Nick Anderson on last week, so we're starting to make a habit of having Tulane defensive players on the podcast. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Y'all are a good unit. I mean, it's, it's a good group to have on, especially I'm excited to hear from a safety because I was taking notes and I was like looking around and stuff. And I think that you might have one of the smartest secondary groups that I've seen. Would you say that like, if you were going to put an adjective to your group, that smart would be one of them? Yeah, for sure. I mean, all of us, we played a lot of football. Um, me, Lummy, Macon, we're mm-hmm. all here. So we played a lot of football, a lot of snaps, and we've seen a lot of a lot of things, a lot of different things, a lot of different offenses. So we just kind of <laughs> we just kind of got you've it. You've been around. You've yeah. been around. You yeah. got, you've you've taken some snaps, you've caught some, you've intercepted some passes. Now you've played in a, in a conference that is very pass heavy at times, most of the time. Um, I always ask all the guys that come on, what is the, I guess, who is the best quarterback or, you know, receiver group that you faced over your time at Tulane from a from another school? Like what's the best another school? Yeah. Um, Cause you can't say your own, you know, you can't vote for yourself. <laughs> sorry. Um, I would say. One that's been really hard to defend. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like in the past years, I would say like Tulsa, they has like a solid group. Yeah. I would say like they just really didn't have like just one guy. Mm-hmm. They had like four guys that, that yeah. were just solid. So I'll say Tulsa, they had a solid group. But then there's a lot of a lot of teams in the conference that got a guy or two guys that yeah. are really good. So yeah. Like uh Rushy Rice over at SMU. Yeah. That guy's oh yeah, yeah. I mean SMU, yeah, I'll probably that's me too. They they have some guys too. They air it out. Yeah. Last year and uh, really all the years I've been here. They <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then my other question is, what is one of the harder environments to playing? Because like obviously Yeoman's Kraken's really fun, but there's a lot of you know tough stadiums to play. And you just were in one last week at Nipper. You know the bounce house is hard. I mean, there's a lot of places. So what's one of the hardest places you played in in the American? Oh. I mean, you got to give it to Cincy. I mean, they had a 32 win home streak. So, I mean, yep. Cincy. So it was, and it was a tough game. Came down to the last drive, uh, four down stop, and we came out beneath the ball, kneel the ball, and we won the game. And it was great. Did it us. go from being crazy? Because, like, it's loud there, right? It's like loud at Nipper. Did oh, yeah. it go from being like crazy loud? And then when you guys stopped him, it was just quiet. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was kind of, it was quiet like the whole series because we got some sacks. 
Yeah. Like, see, we got some sacks and it, it came out to that fourth down. Everybody was just like, you can tell everybody was just, it was intense. Everybody was just tuning in, just waiting <sighs> to see what happened. And we got to stop. <laughs> that was, I mean, it was fun to watch. I just can't imagine. It was probably the quietest that's ever been there. So uh, yeah. Nah, it and- was yeah. Well, obviously there's a huge shift from last year to this year, and there's a lot of reasons you can attribute to that. You know, there's the hurricane that kind of, I'd say, I'd say threw you guys off last year. Yeah. Uh, huge number of reasons. But I was thinking more specifically about your defense coordinator, Coach Hampton. What has he done that has allowed, because really, I think Tulane this year is one of the best defensive teams in the conference, if yeah. not the country. What's the difference that has allowed you guys to kind of step into that ability? Um, I mean, you got to think, like, we really didn't lose too many guys last year on defense. So, like, there's just another year of all of us just playing with each other. That's mm-hmm. a, that's one of the huge things. Just We just got another year to play with each other, and we just built on everything that happened last year. Obviously, it didn't go well. And, you know, we just wanted to come out and make a statement. We had a lot, we got a lot of older guys on our defense. Um, me, Macon Clark, Dorian, uh, mm-hmm. Nick, you know, uh, got a lot of older guys leaders on our defense and we just want to come out there and give it on our last ride, just give it all we got. So that's the biggest thing. Then we got just some young guys that can really, that are really good too. They can really play and they made a lot of plays this season. So. Do you feel like you guys, the, the older group that have been there and, you know, the ones that are holding it down, do you feel like that you're in good hands as you move on when you do move on with this younger group, like you guys are teaching them and, and, and showing them the way of this two lane defense? Oh yeah, I mean, I, they're gonna get. They're gonna be better. I feel like they're gonna be better because they're like no. <laughs> they're literally learning from our mistake, our mistakes. So yeah, so they're just it's crazy. It's gonna be crazy. <laughs> they're literally learning from our mistakes, and I mean, we're, or I mean, so they're just getting smarter and smarter and just learning more about football and different things, situations, and stuff like that. That's awesome. I'm yeah. excited. I'm gonna be scared for other teams to play y'all coming up. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. You know, and then looking ahead a little bit at next week's game, obviously it's for the conference championship. Mm-hmm. It's first time you're going to have that opportunity. First time pretty much anyone on either team's going to have the chance to play for the AAC championship because for all UCF is, you know, considered one of the top two. It's been since 2018 that they've actually played for this now. Yeah. Uh, what does this game in particular mean to you compared to, say, last week or any other important game you've had? Well, Obviously, it's the it's the championship game. So, this is this for all the marbles. This is the game that counts uh, to be the you know the champion of the of the conference. So, uh, it's a huge game uh, for Tulane history. Uh, we talked about making the timeline. The last uh, the last really team that made the timeline was the '98 team. They made they made a big statement. They went undefeated. So, we just want to be the next team to really just make the timeline and be the next team that everybody talk about around the school, around the city of New Orleans. Dan asked this question of Nick, and I think this would be interesting. At what point, I mean, obviously this has been a special season and now the the championship is like within grasp, but I mean, in the beginning, was that always the goal to like, be in the, I know everybody. Okay. I know everybody says it's the goal. Okay. So you just don't come for me with that question. I know everybody says it's the goal, but at what point, I guess, did you guys realize like, Hey, this is special and we're doing something here. Um, like you say, like everybody says, let's go win conference championship once conference start. Um, but I mean, after the Houston game, we got to mm-hmm. roll. I mean, we just started getting racking win after win after win. And 
it just it really snuck up on me since I'm especially I'm a senior. I'm like, yeah. man, like coming down to the last ones and they're just getting more important and important. Uh, you know, the competition just got better throughout the year. Uh, but yeah, uh, to answer your question. You I mean, answered it. I mean, the Houston. Yeah, I mean, really, to answer your question, I, re- I wouldn't say it's really just a point. It was just kind of just mm-hmm. like, we just kind of rolling through it. Just like the goal was to go 1-0 and each and every week. That's our motto, go 1-0. And, and uh, we've been doing that, so. What are you going to take away? I mean, the last time you guys played these this UCF team, it was tough. I mean, their fans came out. They were pretty aggressive. The game itself was very physical. We just talked to Alec Haller, the tight end from UCF, and he said that that was probably the most physical game they played all year. It got a little chippy on the field, you know, people pushing and shoving and some things going down. What are you going to take away from that specific game and that feeling of that loss and carry into this game? Or do you just like wash it clean? You're like, forget about it. This is a new game. Um, obviously after the game, we went, we just put down the drain because we know we had to, another game mm-hmm. the next week and we had another one. We had to play, um, SMU that we mm-hmm. played. Those were important games to for us right. to get to the point where we are right now. So, um, obviously we just really just want to just learn from our mistakes from last yeah. game. And, um, we get another shot to, and this were all, all this is the one that counts. So we get another shot that counts. So, uh, yeah you don't think any of that emotion is going to come back up though i mean that was like a, oh yeah i mean yeah it's going to it come emotional back. it's probably it's going to be another physical game <laughs> intense game obviously it's a championship but yeah but yeah well i remember one last thing i'm sorry dan i gotta say this i remember in the last game of cincy will will wallace at the end of it y'all had you know won the game but he, you still had to down the ball or i forget what it was but yeah. he was like holding guys back like don't you know, jar, don't say anything because we can't get any penalties yeah. and da da da. So I was thinking about that and and how, you know, UCF they they generally turn the ball over and they generally get penalties. But in the game against you guys, they were pretty clean. They were pretty disciplined. And and you guys are pretty disciplined too. But how do you rein in that emotion when you're playing such like a team that you just want to bash? Um you just gotta keep your composure, man. You just mm-hmm. gotta just know uh, what you got to do what's best for the team, even though somebody might even late hit you or whatever. Mm-hmm. You just got to hold your composure and let the referees just make the call. You know what I'm saying? We just play the game and the referees just, they ref, ref the game. So if they call it, they call it, they don't, they don't, they don't. But um, one thing our coaches always said, uh, just don't retaliate because they always catch the second guy. So Yes, they do. Yes, <laughs> they do. I've gotten many red cards that <laughs> for that reason. So, yeah. It happens to the best of us. I'm like, <laughs> I, cu- I couldn't let the refs do it. I couldn't. I'd be like, nope. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, this is your second time playing them. And like you mentioned, this is the one that matters. If you win this game, people forget about the first one really quickly. Uh, but at the same time, it's the second time you've both seen each other. It makes it harder to play another team because they know what you want to do against them, what you think you're best at. How does that change your game plan going in, or if at all? Um. I mean, I feel like it's if it's just best to do what you do, uh, do best. So I mean, I really don't expect them just to really just change a lot. Uh, obviously, they'll put a little couple of wrinkles. They're not gonna run the same exact plays and put a couple of wrinkles into their plays, but they're gonna do what they do. They're gonna run the ball. They're gonna uh, run a quarterback run. They're gonna throw RPOs. They're gonna take a shot here and there. Uh, they're gonna do what they do. And I mean, that's really just every offense in the country. So teams is gonna do what they do. Uh, Especially in the championship game, I mean, I just don't – I wouldn't change 
anything in championship games to biggest game so yeah right you stick with what works yeah yeah it got you here so yeah what's interesting though is last week against Cincinnati there was when we talked to Nick there was some question about who the quarterback would be for Cincinnati that was before they announced Bryant was done for the season with mm-hmm. this foot injury this week you've also got some question about what the quarterback situation is like at UCF because Plumlee has a hamstring that he's dealing with uh, how does that affect your preparation not 100% knowing which quarterback it's going to be um I mean, I'm we're, I, I'm expecting Plummy to play. It's the championship game. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I think he's going to play. I'm so, just saying that, you know, we don't know. Well, because if you get Mike, if you get a different quarterback, he's a little more of a, a passer, obviously, yeah, a yeah. lot more of a passer. And then, you know, but if you get Plumley, he's a runner. But is he is he hindered by the hamstring? So are those all things that you think about, or you're just like, um, we're not – not really. I mean, I just yeah. we're gonna see in warm-ups. I mean for sure. <laughs> then you'll know. First snap, we'll definitely see. So uh we'll go we'll go from there and make adjustments. Uh if I we like have that. and uh just go out there and play ball, man. Yeah. That's that's all we're about. Do what you do. Well, okay, but d- did you watch any highlights from okay, specifically, did you see the catch that Alec Haller made at the end of the UCF USF game where he made the like one-handed no, yeah, I watched the game. I watched. Oh, that. okay. I wasn't sure. Sometimes people do. Sometimes they don't. I don't know. So he makes that catch. That's like a crazy three mm-hmm. flies up play, like hail mary in the end zone. Now, as someone as good as yourself, on the other end of that, if that's coming at you, are you defending that differently? Like, do you think that their secondary did an okay job, or they were like, what mistakes would you have fixed there? Basically, um, how would I'll, you have played that different? I mean, you had to go to the film room. I mean. <laughs> Uh, me watching on TV, you really well. That's funny you say that. I'll pull up some film. No, I'm just <laughs> I mean, and I don't know what coverage they were in, so it, it all depends mm-hmm. on all of that. So, well, if you know a Hail Mary pass is coming as a safety, I mean, you're you're uh, you're I don't think they expected it because it, it was kind of like an area play, mm-hmm. uh, play, and then they got on with a screen and go. Um, and they they executed, they scored on it. So, I think they just called USF off, off guard a little bit. Well, the, USF definitely thought a run play was coming given it looked like UCF was setting up a game when you feel goal trying and stuff. Yeah, you, know, you got to be prepared for me, everything. Emily, if it were me, I would have run the pick six play, but it wasn't up to me. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> thank God it wasn't up to you. But I'm just saying, y'all are going to be preparing for that play now, right? Yeah. Like that's in the playbook now. Um, all right, I have two fun questions for you. Obviously, you're Fort Worth, Texas guy. Okay, so uh, Whataburger or In and Out? Uh, Whataburger. Oh my God. Whataburger. <laughs> Are you going to pick Whataburger over every other? Like, is Whataburger the oh, best? Honestly, like, after every high school game, like, we went oh to Whataburger afterwards. So, like, <laughs> that's, what, that's like, fun. is there any burger joint or like fast food place that you would eat over Whataburger? Like oh. Shake Shack. I don't know if you've had that or like Five Guys. Five Guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, Five Guys is good. Shake. Okay. I mean, all those places are good, but I mean, Whataburger is just, just Whataburger is just what it is. Oh, it's, it's like, <laughs> that's just what it is. <laughs> I can't. I every time I've had Whataburger, it makes me so sick. Why? And everyone's like, I don't know because because it's not good. That's why. <laughs> now I'm a California born okay. and raised, so In and Out is In-N-Out, like, In-N-Out, yeah. Yeah. And Will will tell you, I've taken, we've gone in and out and he literally gets like, it's amazing. It's just better. Have you had in and out? Oh yeah. In and out is good. Yeah. Okay. But it's not better than Whataburger. That's just. 
I quit on that one. Um, okay. I'm just not allowed to say anything is better than Whataburger. <laughs> really a texas rule like you aren't like you get your state license revoked if you say uh, that yeah. it's like you can't do it. um what has been your favorite food to eat now that you've been in new orleans like is there something you like to eat there um i'll probably say crawfish oh my god okay yeah crawfish do they do like the big crawfish bowls where they like put them out on the yeah that's crazy yeah all right okay. which is better the texas texas barbecue or new orleans cajun food oh Mm. I'm gonna it's go to food. I mean, I feel like it's a little disrespectful. It's I mean, that's <laughs> I mean, you can okay. Here's a good question Who has the um best drip on the team? Mm. On your team, on team. I mean, I gotta go myself. No, <laughs> you can't vote for yourself. All right, uh, like if you had a date, right? Like if you're going on a date. And you had to go to one of your teammates to like help you, like, oh, help me pick out an outfit. Like, who would you go to? Mm. <sighs> yeah, it's tough. A date? I don't, or you're going out some, I don't know. People, um, people at college don't go on I'll dates. I'll probably like, say like, uh, maybe Tariq Presley. Tariq Presley. Presley. Yeah. Okay. He has good drip. Yeah, yeah. He comes dripping to practice every day. <laughs> That's that's impressive. Um, okay, what about coaches wise? Which coach has the most drip? Mm. It's gotta be it's gotta be JJ, right? JJ or Coach Hemp? Coach okay. Hemp, he drips too. It's, it's a toss up. It's a toss up. Okay. JJ tries, so I know that he's up there. <laughs> awesome. You got anything else, Dan? I was maybe gonna ask what your favorite Tulane uniform combo is, Ooh. if you like the blues or the greens or um I mean, I like the blue. The blue yeah. just it stands out. But uh, yeah. I'll probably like the blue and white mix. Uh, okay. Probably, yeah. Okay. The white top. Yeah, white top, blue pants, or blue helmet. Yeah, blue that's helmet. what you guys in the UCF game, the last one. Yeah. Well, you, UCF it was the uh, the olive green, oh. jersey, right? Oh, it was green. Is your home? So you wear whatever. Home. There's no rules anymore. They just wear. Okay. Yeah. There's no rules. I can't even remember what we wore. I know, I can't either. I'd have to go look. I don't know. It feels like they always wear the white and the baby blue. It's nice. The white and baby blue, yeah. I do like the white and baby blue. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Larry, for joining us. Um, we wish you the best of luck this weekend. And I will see you Saturday at Yulman Stadium. We'll make sure everyone can find you on social media. And everybody better tune in. Yes, ma'am. Let's do it. <laughs> thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. No problem. Thank you. What a guy, Larry Brooks. Definitely different vibe than Alec Holler, but um, like a quiet, they're both quiet, kind of reserved guys. But Larry's a man of few words, but his game speaks volumes. So it's, you know, he doesn't really have to say anything because he just goes out there and makes life difficult for opposing offenses. So it's going to be an epic clash. Very excited. I, I hope you guys enjoyed the insight from both Alec Holler and Larry Brooks. Dan, what do you think? is going to happen this weekend in the UCF Tulane AAC championship game. Well, I think it really does matter how healthy John Rice Plumley is. Mm-hmm. Because Mikey Keene really isn't a runner, but if UCF has that dynamic ability to run from the quarterback position, Tulane did not show any ability to stop the running game last time. Correct. <laughs> but Like zero, like negative ability. <laughs> the weakness of their defense. They're a very good pass defense. They're a relatively average 
run defense, and UCF is a very good running team. Mm-hmm. But if Plumlee's on one leg and has to play more from the pocket, he's not effective the way he can be. It's not his game. And if you have to play Mike Keene, well, then he's more of a standard quarterback, nothing wrong with it necessarily. But he's going up against a secondary that is much more capable of containing that type of player. Right. Uh, so I think that's really going to be a huge factor. Also, we talked about a bunch of this episode, but UCF cannot fumble the ball like they did against USF or a few mm-hmm. Cincinnati, a few other games this season. Just cannot have those turnovers on the road. Um, on the other side of the ball, I think Tulane needs to get the ball to Spears more. He had 16.2 yards per carry against UCF, and he only had like eight touches in the game. Yeah. Got to give him the ball as much as possible in the passing game and in the running game. Uh, we talked a little bit about the crowd, how many UCF fans travel the game. I'll be interested to see that. Uh, be interested to see if the Willie Fritz situation at Georgia Tech, which we'll talk about the coaching carousel. Oh, I forgot bit. to ask him about Willie Fritz. Darn it. It's all right. We'll live. Uh, good talk anyways. But we'll see whether <laughs> how big a distraction that's been this week. Mm-hmm. And, and we're recording this on Tuesday. It's been resolved. So there's plenty of time to not be distracted by it now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Winner of this game goes to the Cotton Bowl, probably against Penn State. But the Rose Bowl has been talking like they might not just take Ohio State because they had them last year and the Rose Bowl's like that. Yeah, the Rose Bowl's talking a big game right now, which it would be great Rose for me Bowl. because yeah. I'm going to the Rose Bowl this year. So The Rose Bowl likes to set its own rules as much as possible. And yeah, well, it's the granddaddy of them all, so they can't. It's quickly finding out how little it matters to the future, though. Okay. I love the Rose Bowl. I should say that. I love it. I It should always be on, but I think it's quickly finding out that the rest of the, like the money in college football doesn't feel like it needs to also be a playoff game. Anyways. All right. Well, who are, who are you picking is UCF. what I want to know. Well, I'm picking Tulane. I knew you were. Uh, Woo! The I final know. showdown. Yeah. Uh, by the way, for the regular season, last week of the yes. regular season, we both went three and two. Uh, okay. We were both wrong about here. I'm going to go back and double check. Before go for it. Yeah. Things. Um, we were both on East the words. We were both on Houston to beat. Tulsa. Yeah, that I was think, incorrect. Yeah, <laughs> it, I was on Memphis. They lost. You were on SMU. Then you had Cincinnati, not Tulane. I had Tulane. So yeah, I did that on purpose so they would win. So they're welcome. Yeah. Well, That's right. You, you took the loss for it. Yeah, uh, I did for the, I took for the regular season. For the regular season, I was sixty-six and twenty-one. You were fifty-two and thirty-five. We still okay. have the championship game. We still have Army Navy. We still have bowl season. So yeah, we'll not bad. Time. I'm proud of my improvements. I learned from my mistakes. So yeah, I don't have your number from last year offhand, but not picking it was the, bad. not picking the underdog every single game really helps. Yes, it does. <laughs> I'm excited for this showdown. Make sure. Um, Oh boy, it's going to be a big one. I'm going to mention this really quick because before we talk about coaches is the college football ranking playoff rankings came out. Uh, Tulane improved. They moved up a spot to 18, right? Uh, That was, yeah, one spot from the previous week. So that 10 and two. What? No, I. I'm telling you that they're ranked number 18 and that's up one spot from the previous week uh, due to their 10 and two record and the 27, 24 win at Cincinnati. And then we have UCF, which mm, they just maintained their ranking. So they were 22. They're 22 last week. They're 22 this week. 
Um, mm. That's probably because they just barely beat USF. So that's unhelpful. The American championship game is one of five. Yeah, one. The American championship game is one of five conference title games to feature two ranked teams. The others are the ACC, the big 12, the PAC 12 and the SEC. So they're still ranking North Carolina over in the ACC land. Huh? I, I suppose. <laughs> All right. Let's do a quick five minute chat about college football coaching carousel. What was the most surprising hire to you or fire? Fire? I don't think I was surprised with any of the firings because we okay. really had, realistically, we had two firings, right? Or unless I'm forgetting, it's been Philip Montgomery and Jeff Scott. Yep. Ryan Silverfield was retained. Uh, well, I, went, I meant like in general, you didn't have to just be in the American. Oh, I was sorry. Um, most surprising firing for me throughout all of college football might have been UNLV or with Arroyo. I, that snuck in to my timeline the other today or yesterday. I was like, what? Not surprising though, given, I don't, I don't think I it's surprising. Think, well, if you look at, he took over in 2020, that year should be a wash for a first year coach. That's and, fair. It is quick. It is quick. shown improvement in each year. They've, their win totals gone up each year. And UNLV has never been an easy place to win. It's been like no. five wins is their most wins since like 2013 or something like that. So what it yeah. really was, uh, was they have a new AD and ADs love to hire their own football coach is what it really is, I think. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how that works out. Uh, no, I mean, there's still, as we talk, there's going to be a couple more coaches who are fired and, you know, whatnot. Uh, but we'll see. That's the big one for me. Uh, surprise. Nebra- well, here, let's break it down. Were you surprised by Nebraska? No, no. Hiring Matt Rule. Okay. No, I was not surprised by Matt Rule. Uh, okay. What about, here's a, here's one for you. The Kenny Dillingham hire at Arizona state. Really, really smart hire, I think. Very smart hire. But a yeah. little surprising that they got it right. Is it? Because uh, they've struggled that's, with that. That's the surprising part is that they yeah. have a guy that most people are like, that makes sense. <laughs> yes. And then, of course, we have um, Colorado open, which could they we be seeing it. Dion Sanders? They offered it to Dion. Dion's publicly said they offered to offered it to him. Dion's going to have multiple offers this cycle, though. Yeah. And if Stanford so we'll, is one of those, I will murder somebody. It's not going to be Stanford. I don't think <laughs> people have been wishlisting him at Stanford, people, and it's very okay. frustrating. So I'm going to say this: we're going to talk about AAC coaching openings real quick because there's a few of them. I'm not going to say Dion's name for any single one of them because every single search has Dion's name on it, and it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's not nonsense. He's going to get a job if he wants one, but like, it's nonsense to think that every single job opening in America is one that Dion would have on his list. Like, I'm sorry, USF, if, you know, a power five job and USF want him, he's going to the power five. It's yeah. Like, most likely. Um, I mean, Colorado might not because that's a disaster, but. You know, what I was kind of sad about was Jake Spavadol, Texas state going down. I understand why yeah. you got to do it, but yeah. I like yeah, Spav. So I, I thought he got a year more than I expected him to get nothing personal, but he tried a very, interesting thing at texas state to basically do it strictly on transfers and Mm -hmm. it blew up in his face pretty good it did um and then of course david shaw resigning in disgrace even though no one will say that last part but i will 100 not in disgrace because he got to choose it on his own and oh did he though did he get to choose it because that's unclear I mean, I think so. if if he got to choose it, I think he would have chosen it before he went down in flames this season at three and nine. 
Oh, you know. That doesn't make any sense to me. I think this year. And yeah, after speaking with after speaking with uh some Stanford alumni that there was writing on the wall for him finally. Because I don't think people understand, yes, Stanford fans may be a bit apathetic, but they don't like losing this much. And there's no, you know, so they have some say. The it's not only, Texas, but Jesus. The only ones who like losing this much are Northwestern Pat Fitzgerald. They'll never, never go. Oh, boy. Well, the coaching search for Stanford begins. Obviously, I would love it to be Andrew Luck. I was told that he would be open to returning or to coming to a coaching position, probably not head coach, but I don't know. He's open to. You need the experience, I think, just for the sake of having it. My God. I think it helps. Andrew Luck has plenty of life experience. He doesn't need coaching experience. He's Andrew Luck. Also, on a more serious note, I would love to see Troy Taylor, the Sac State coach, um, be the head coach at Sanford. I think he'd be incredible. So run the that's my two cents on that. Jeff Munkin, run the triple. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, only half joking. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Wisconsin surprised me going back a little ways. When yeah. I they, like Paul Chris. I was kind of bummed about that. The problem is they hit this cap with him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And what we're seeing is, especially since the Big Ten signed its new media deal, those teams will hear him going, oh, we've got money, money now. We shouldn't accept eight and four with a boring offense that never gets mm. off the ground. You know what I mean? We can go – and that's uh, – I, I guess I'm going to transition to talking about Luke Fickle this week because no one expected him to leave for Wisconsin. I, I wasn't that surprised. Okay, no, no, but before – You mean that, Wisconsin specifically or leave Cincinnati in general? A little bit of each. Interesting. Okay, so here's what Most people – who pay attention to this kind of thing, uh, coaching Carousel Weiss thought that, and I'm among them as far as this is concerned, thought that Fickle had two jobs in mind, Ohio State and Notre Dame, maybe Penn State. Like, you guys only think that because of his pedigree. Well, no, no, because he's also turned down Michigan State. They offered well, him, and he told them no. That's Then they ended shoot. up with Mel Tucker. So. Um, but anyways, but I what I think, so basically looking at Wisconsin, was Michigan State better than Wisconsin? Depends on the year, I think. I, I don't think so. I, I mean, just geographically, just... With divisions going away uh, in the Big Ten, it's no longer a very easy thing to win at Wisconsin. All the all the scandals that have happened in Michigan State, what recently has happened in Michigan State, I wouldn't take a job there. And they're paying their coach $100 million to win five games. Yeah, but that's, that's dirty money. I'm not doing that. Anyways, we can debate personally about that, but like... <laughs> We know what Flick, what we know what Fickle did. I think that what it came down to, mm-hmm. there's two conferences that are going to be clearly above the rest going forward, right? The yep. SEC, the Big Ten, and when I say above the rest, I mean financially. If you want those resources to compete for a national championship, you probably have to be in one of those two conferences. Now, in an expanded playoff, you can make it from any conference, more or less. Mm-hmm. Sorry to the Mac, still not you. Um, but you can make it from any Power Five conference, certainly. But to actually have the resources to get people in, I think you need to be in Big Ten or SEC to like consistently have a real shot at it mm-hmm. to win a championship. And I think that's probably the what he decided was that it, that he needs to make the jump for the Big Ten now if he wants to get that chance. And you know, in Wisconsin, and it caught me off guard. And we'll see what direction Cincinnati goes for its next hire. There's a few 
fast you can go. Uh, no real candidates have emerged yet because it's like a 48-hour-old process as we're talking about it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are throwing in Jim Leonard from Wisconsin or Jesse Minter from Michigan, both defensive coordinators from the Midwest. Uh, some people are throwing around, like bringing back, say, Mike Dinbrock to be your head coach. Uh, Tressel on staff at Cincinnati, hypothetically, you could promote him. Um, guys like that are names you're going to hear a lot of. You know, do you make the decision to go with a fickle continuity hire of some kind, or do you try to fit a little bit differently into the Big 12? Do you go for someone who has, I don't know, both Ohio and Texas experience and runs a really explosive offense? Like, I don't know, Tom Herman. Uh, guys like that are, I'm hearing thrown around, but it's all super speculative at this point. Uh, USF Athletics got funky earlier today, yesterday, and tweeted out who wants to know the name of our new head coach and then did nothing with that. That's great. Uh, and it's been an investigation that's been pretty free of leaks at all, which means, I mean, we just have what nonsense fan speculation there is out there, which is of course, Dion, Dion, Dion. <laughs> Everybody. Uh, yeah. Everyone's saying Dion. I don't put much, stuff, you know, whatever. I will be, I'll be interested to see where they go. With yeah. Them. Same. Um, you know, go over to uh, Tulsa, Philip Montgomery fired. Uh, probably time if we're getting into it. We don't need to break down the whole everything about it. But there's a few names right off the bat that make a ton of sense to me. Uh, G.J. Kenny, who former Tulsa quarterback Gus Malzahn, assistant, is currently the head coach at Incarnate Word. Uh, massive, massive offensive numbers. Young guy knows the program hypothetically if you want to go that route makes a lot of sense so does uh, Brennan Marion the currently a wide receivers coach at Texas also a Tulsa guy uh, he's the guy who runs the go-go offense at Howard then William Mary so another explosive offense that you'd be bringing in with someone who has Tulsa ties and I've also heard them going more uh, retroactive and hiring like a Barry Odom type I don't like that idea I don't like giving Barry Odom a retirement job or mm. I don't want to hire a 60 something year old guy. Who's just like wants to get be a head coach one last time and see what he can do with it. That yeah. isn't ever as good as the up and comer, but no, there's a few guys. That's kind of what you're looking at is either a very young up and coming offensive guy or a re retroactive hire. Probably uh, Silverfield retained his job at Memphis. A little bit surprising, not uh, next year's going to be a very hot seat year for him. Can you yeah. appears to have retained his job at Navy as well? Though the army game hasn't happened yet. So we'll okay. see. Yes, we will. That's the big AAC stuff. Unless you want UAB's coaching search, they're going to be in the American next year. It's a disaster right now. The players just sent a letter to the president asking for their voices to be heard and saying that they basically do not like the process and they want the interim. Uh, Bryant Vincent's his name elevated. Uh, who knows what's going to happen there? Money's a little bit tight from what I hear. Uh, yeah. FAU's got a coaching search open. We'll see what direction they go. Uh, Charlotte with Biff Pogi filled it. Uh, North Texas appears to be retaining Seth Luttrell. UTSA is, of course, very happy with Jeff Trailer. And uh, am I missing anyone coming at Rice? Mike Bloomgren's still there unless he takes Stanford. <laughs> Which, you know, he I actually texted him the day this all went down and said, you let me know if they reach out to you. And, and he said that he would. So, T 
stay tuned on that front. And in that vein, I will say, if you guys want to follow along all of this fun coaching news, Dan is a great resource. So make sure you follow him on social. And for me, you should follow for the game stuff. I'm going to be at the AAC game this weekend. Lots of content coming from there. Um, But first, before we give our handles, let's shout out our guests. Big thank you to Alec Holler. Holler tight end from UCF. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Alec Holler. Uh, Also big thank you to Larry Brooks from Tulane for coming on. You can follow him at Larry Brooks, the third that's Larry Brooks. um, One, two, three, I guess you just put three ones. I don't know. (laughs) Search Larry Brooks. I don't know on IG and Twitter, but make sure you give both of them a follow and tune into the game Saturday. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MLM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M. You can find me at Twitter at Dan underscore Morrison 96. Yeah, that that was a big one. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We're going to try keep trying to bring you guys guests and interviews and stuff like that. So I know it's a long listen, but it's 100% worth it. Absolutely. And we're off. See you next time.